Shalom, Mishpocha. Welcome to this week's Kadima Talk. I'm Rabbi Eric Carlson, speaking to you from the Eastern Gate of America. And I want to come back and uh, reapproach the topic of honor, um, because this is a critical time in our world today. And honor is the foundation to the kingdom of God, but yet we don't experience or see or even receive honor. Honor is a word that we're all familiar with, but few understand. The English definition of honor is honesty, integrity in one's beliefs and actions, distinction, high respect, high esteem, glory, to hold an honor, to revere, to confer honor or distinction upon. The university honored him with his leadership award. Uh, so, you know, we have judges and we refer to them as your honor. Uh, it, it can be given honor, such as a special ceremony, a decoration, a scroll, or a title. You can get an honorary doctorate degree. Uh, we have military honors. We have political honors. It's something to do with rank, dignity, or distinction. It can also be, the, again, like I said, a deferential title with respect for judges, mayors, your honor, his or her honor, a special rank or distinction conferred upon a university or college. Um, even emeritus, a past leader, is given honor through that title. It can also be your intention, such as what occurs in a courtship. When a man seeks or inquires about a young woman, what are his intentions? Are they honorable? Does he desire to take a wife? Uh, or does the young gentleman have ulterior motives that are not honorable? And so this is all weaved throughout our society. But I want to focus upon kingdom honor uh, because that starts with the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verse 12, of honoring parents. Honor, chaved, to be heavy. It's the same root word as kavod. It's the weighty presence of God, to be weighty, to be honorable, glorified, to be honored. Honor your father and mother, that you may live long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Biblically, to honor in Scripture is to be serious, to be honorable, to give glory, to be weighty. Honoring parents is a counterpart of the honor due to God. It forms a bridge between duties towards God and towards humans. God as creator, yet parents also, in partnership with God, create children. So one honors God and one also honors their parents. One large aspect of honor is respect, which includes obedience and forbids hitting, insulting, and disrespectful behaviors towards parents and or misappropriating their property. By caring for them when aged and invalid, the Jewish and Native American cultures are similar in their respect and honor of the elderly for their wisdom and knowledge. And here's the key to this. Here's the walkaway. Honor communicates esteem to others by serving them thus inspiring them to act. So a significant understanding and foundation of honor is serving someone else. Now, this, this crosses across many other Kadima talks that we've done and starts putting all these aspects together of leadership and what it takes to be righteous before God. The right of future generations of Israelites to inherit the land from their parents was contingent upon them honoring them. So to render honor is to give weight to or grant a person a position of respect and even authority in one's life. Rendering honor does not equate to acceptance or agreement with bad character or an integrity. To honor a bad parent is to acknowledge their role as co-creator in your life, regardless of how good a parent they were or weren't. The same is due to those in authority, such as mayors, congressmen, senators, presidents, your boss, shift supervisor, uh, you know, your sergeant, your LPO in the Navy. Uh, a gracious woman is worthy of honor, Proverbs 11, verse 16. And ministry congregation leaders who lead well are worthy of double honor, according to 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. 
Romans 13, verse 7 says, Pay to everyone what is due them. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Tax to whom tax is due. Respect to whom respect is due. Honor. Timeo in the Greek, to prize, to fix a valuation upon, by implication, to revere, to whom honor is due. Honor is a good name or public esteem. It's your reputation. It's a showing of usually merited respect. It's a person of superior standing. It can be used as a title for a holder in someone of high office. It also relates to chastity and purity. Listen, a keen sense of ethical conduct and integrity. One's word given as a guarantee of performance. With today's cancel culture, there's an abundance in social media of dishonor. This is a rabbit trail here, but when you hear of an event or a potential issue in a person's life, you don't know the whole story. And so there shouldn't be a rush to judgment, especially if they are inexperienced or not a leader themselves. This is critical. This is not not a charge come against a leader except on the uh, voice of two or three witnesses, according to Scripture in Deuteronomy. And so to honor somebody is to not to rush to judgment when we don't know the action. This, here's a critical aspect of being a congregation leader or a leader, and this is what I've learned over the years, especially when counseling with people or spending time with people who have issues. There's always two sides of the story. So there's her story, his story, and in the middle is the truth. And rarely will anyone retell a story of their past that cast themselves in a poor light. We somehow seem to leave our uh, issues and character flaws out of retelling a story that doesn't go well with someone else or a, a spouse or a workmate, and uh, and we leave our part that's negative out of it. So you, you can never see one side of a story and say, oh, my gosh, that person needs to immediately do this or do that because you don't know the whole story. And so it's critical to not rush to judgment. It's critical not to – it reminds me of the Duke lacrosse team. The number of years ago, there was accusations made, and their characters were destroyed. They were all thrown off the, the team. And it comes to find out that the person who made the accusation lied. But they've already been besmirked publicly. They've already been smeared, their character, their integrity – uh, listen, were they involved in some activities they shouldn't have been? Yeah, they weren't of the most upright and noble intentions. However, uh, that did not justify them being destroyed in the press and everyone rushing to judgment uh, because the accusations weren't true. So we have to be very, very careful. In this country, a person is innocent until proven guilty. We have to be so careful in this cancel culture of rendering dishonor against someone who honor maybe do. Honor is a Hebrew wordplay. As we said earlier, it's kavod, but it's a play on numerous words that have similar meanings, which is the same root word for glory. Hod in Hebrew is glory, the manifest presence of God. Hod is also the secondary meaning for splendor. Kaved is the Hebrew word for heavy, the weightiness of God. Hod machuto is his majesty. Majesty is a sovereign power, authority, or dignity. It's a royal bearing or aspect, grandeur, a greatness of splendor, of quality of character. So the very purpose of our release from slavery in Egypt was to honor God, to give him the glory that he was due, to worship his majesty and his sovereign power. Exodus 5 verse 1, it says, After that, Moshe and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Here was Adonai, the Lord God of Israel, says, Let my people Go so that they can celebrate a festival in the desert to honor me. It's why we celebrate the feast days. We've just passed the new year, uh, sunset on March the 13th. We're now in the year uh, of great difficulty. 
the year 2021. 21 is Shin in Hebrew Aleph Bet, which is uh, represents wickedness and evil. 5781 is the new year we entered into, and uh, and it's about as we talked about last Shabbat, destroying doubt, Amalek, and and coming together as the greater body of Messiah in trust and in truth. And so if we cross into this new year, we restart the biblical feast days. And and why do we celebrate these Moedim? Well, it's the same reason we honor our mother and father, to bring honor. We celebrate the feast days to bring honor to God. Exodus 23, starting at verse 14. Each year you must celebrate three festivals in my honor. The first is the festival of unleavened bread. For seven days you're to eat bread made without yeast, matzah, just as I commanded you before. This festival will be an annual event at the appointed time in early spring, for that is the anniversary of your exodus from Egypt. Everyone must bring me a sacrifice at that time. Verse 16, you must also celebrate the festival of harvest when you bring me the first crops of your harvest. And finally, you're to celebrate the festival of the final harvest at the end of the harvest season. So this is Shavuot and then Sukkot. And at these three times each year, every man in Israel is to appear before the sovereign Lord. The establishment of the regular or pilgrimage feast, Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot were done so that all the families of Israel, at least one time a year, would appear in Jerusalem before the Lord in his presence to honor him. In fact, probably the most significant difference in our expressions of worship between Messianics and, and general Christianity is Shabbat. And see what God says about this day in Exodus 35, verse 2. On six days, work is to be done, but the seventh day, is to be a holy day for you, a Shabbat of complete rest in honor of Adonai. Whoever does any work on it is to be put to death. Both Shabbat and the regular feast are required in Deuteronomy 16, come with the Shalemim offerings. The regular feasts are established to honor God, and we honor him uh, with our best giving with the Shalemim offering. Proverbs 3, verse 9 says, Honor Adonai with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your income. Shabbat is the first feast day given in Leviticus 23. We weekly honor God by keeping this appointed time, by honoring and observing the Shabbat, and by coming before his presence with our tithes. Not an offering, but tithes. God is making a profound connection here uh, to not tithe the Adonai is a dishonor. It's not what you say, it's what you do or what you don't do according to God and his word. The granting of honor to others is an essential component in every believer's life and the key in obtaining unity within the body, both physically, spiritually, and racially. The first level of unity is honor. We're to bestow honor on those for whom honor is due. While honor is an internal attitude of respect, courtesy, and reverence, it should be accompanied by appropriate actions and acts of humility. Remember, to honor is to serve someone, to esteem them. It's acts of humility and obedience. Honor without such action is incomplete. It's lip service. Isaiah 29, verse 13, Then Adonai said, Because these people approach me with empty words, and the honor they bestow on me is mere lip service, while in fact they have distanced their hearts from me, and their fear of me is just a mitzvah of human origin. There's a profound, strong connection between honor and fear of the Lord. We're to render honor to Yeshua just as we honor God. In John 5, verses 22 and 23, the Father does not judge anyone, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, so that all may honor the Son as they honor the Father. Whoever fails to honor the Son is not honoring the Father who sent him. We are to render honor to each other. Romans 12, verse 10, be tenderly devoted to one another in brotherly love, outdoing one another in giving honor. Now, we, we talked about 
Brotherhood Week here back in February. We, we talked about what brotherhood really means, that we're literally brothers and sisters through the blood of Yeshua. We're literally brothers and sisters. Mishpocha, we're literally family. And when you're family, you give honor to your brothers and to your sisters, regardless of their culture, their background, their race. And that's why this is such a key to racial reconciliation and healing in our land and all the issues and, and the crisis we're suffering today. Honor heals dishonor. We can't say to a, uh, an African-American or Oriental person or Hispanic or a Native person, we honor you in words only. We walk this honor out in our actions and deeds. It's something we must do. We here at the congregation, we have no restrictions on who's involved in a tour service, who reads from it. Male, female, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Jew, Gentile, indigenous people, we all participate together as the greater body of Messiah. There's no distinction made between Jew or Gentile. And, you know, this is a greater issue in America today because every time you go to a bank and you fill out a loan application, every time you fill out a census application, every time you do something with the government, one of the first questions they immediately ask is race. That has nothing to do with it. If you have bad credit, then you're a high-risk loan regardless of your skin color or your cultural background. If you've got great credit, then you're going to get low interest rates and a loan regardless of your skin color or your cultural background. We ourselves in our government, we bring about this unity and divisiveness by consistently pressing and asking, what is your race? What is your background? When it literally has no bearing on anything, we're all children of God. and We should stop making these distinctions. You're either an American or you're not an American. And this is the power that we see released from that one new man of Ephesians 2. Come on. That the only two people groups God sees, Jew and Gentile, and it so bothered him that it actually sent his only son to tear down that enmity, that middle wall of partition, the Mechitza, to make the only two people groups God sees into one new humanity. It's about building community, a kehelet, one camp, one body unto God. It's not black church or white church. It's, it's not Jewish synagogue and Gentile church. It's the body of the bride of Messiah. And so we're going back to the future. 2,000 years ago, we worshiped together in the temple as one. And if you go back and read Acts 2 and read where all the people from around the world had come, actual Jewish people, proselytes, Gentiles who came to faith in the living God of Israel. Every nation, every tribe, and every tongue was gathered on the Temple Mount when that roar and that rush of the Ruach hit that upper room, and they came out of there with fire on their head, speaking in all these languages and tongues because the world was gathered there. We're going back to the future. That's how it will be in the end when a new temple comes out of Jerusalem. That's what this whole Messianic restoration is. We're going back to temple times. It's a new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven. It sits on the physical Jerusalem here with a brand new heavenly temple that's the actual one in heaven. And God himself is the holy of holies. And Yeshua will sit on the throne, fully man, fully God, and rule this world. We're about empire building for the kingdom of God. We are to rebuild the ancient ruins and repair that breach. That's been our vision as a congregation from the very beginning. The prophet Isaiah confirms this in Isaiah 58, verses 11 through 14. Adonai will always guide you. He will satisfy your needs in the desert. He will renew the strength in your limbs so that you'll be like a watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. You will rebuild the ancient ruins, raise foundations from ages past, and be called repair of broken walls, restore of streets to live in. Restoring those ancient ruins, the walls includes the gates, and it's the restoration and repair of true 
worship, of true obedience to the living biblical God of Israel. To have possession of the gate is to hold that city or the nation. The physical restoration is then followed by the spiritual restoration. Acts 17, verses 26 and 27, from one man he made every nation living on the entire surface of the earth, and he fixed the limits of their territories in the periods when they would flourish. God did this so that the people would look for him and perhaps reach out and find him, though in fact he's not far from each one of us. Spiritual authority comes with honor. As I've stated numerous times here in America, the First Nations people, they hold the true spiritual authority on Turtle Island. And so to honor God, to have our prayers and petitions answered, we need to partner and honor the true spiritual authority. Listen, if you're a Gentile believer in Yeshua, praise God. But if you go to Israel and start decreeing and proclaiming, it's, it's basically not going to work because you have to be partnered with an, with an Israeli, with someone who's Jewish, who has the spiritual authority to speak into the people. We have to understand this authority structure and God's sovereign will because we have to honor where honor is due to properly align ourselves for protocol and decreeing and proclaiming in the kingdom of God. And I've shared this many times in the congregation. If I have a neighbor who has spotlights at night to shine on my bedroom window and it irritates me and I can't sleep, I can't call the electric company and turn his power off. Why? Because I don't have the authority to do so. The account's not in my name. What I have to do is humbly go to my neighbor and honor him or her and ask them in love if they would redirect or repoint their lights or turn them off at night so I can sleep. But I can't have their electric cut off. I can't decree it or proclaim it or speak to it in tongues because I don't have the authority to do so. You have to honor yourself and partner with those who have the proper authority to decree and proclaim in the kingdom of God. God makes covenant with both the land and the people. God and Abraham, Genesis 15, Joshua, and in chapter 8, sacrificed and, and made a stone mezuzah as we entered into the land of Israel and wrote the word on it. And, and they sacrificed with the people and the land. David did the same at Mount Moriah, the high places, the threshing floor of Ornan. And, and, he, and he said, Listen, I can't give to God. Ornan was going to give everything to him. And David said, I can't give to God what costs me nothing. What is that? That's honor. That's why this is so critical. This would turn into the place where Solomon's temple would be built and where eventually the new Jerusalem will come out of heaven with a new temple and descend and sit on that place. So even before this, the, the previous authority had been protocoled, it had to come through honor. Listen, in Abraham, in Genesis 14, starting at verse 17, after his return from slaughtering Kedor Laomer and the kings with him, the son of Sodom went out to meet him in the Sheva Valley, also known as the King's Valley. Melchizedek, king of Shalem, and, and this is the first mention of Jerusalem in Torah. And because it was the Jebusites that lived there, and the city was Shalem, Jerusalem. It's this Salem, the city of the Jebusites. But the king there was a king and a priest, Malki Zedek. Malki means uh, righteous king. Zedek means righteous. Malki, righteous king. And, uh, and brought out bread and wine. He was Cohen of El Elyon, the God most high. He was a priest of God. So he blessed him, Abraham, with these words, Blessed be Avram by El Elyon, maker of heaven and earth, and blessed be El Elyon, who handed over your enemies to you, and Avram gave him a tenth of everything. Mali means my king in Hebrew, and again, Zadok means righteous one in Hebrew. So assess the stage for who Mashiach would be, the righteous king. He's coming back to rule and reign, and it directly connects Zedaka, offering and giving, with righteousness, Zadok. You cannot be righteous and honor God without tithing. Huh. 
this makes us stop and think about what we're doing in the kingdom of God. I said earlier to, to not tithe is to dishonor God. To tithe is to honor God. How many people fail to honor God? They dishonor him by withholding their tithes and offerings that are rightfully his. There's many areas of honor. We have honor because of a position. In the military, if an officer uh, with the collar devices, this is in the Army, Navy, it's all branches, Air Force, Marines, the Coast Guard, you salute that officer because of the position they hold. You don't even know the person sometimes, but you render the salute, and, and that's a sign of honor, and they salute you back, another sign of honor. You can also honor out of respect because you know that person. We had a tradition in the Navy. Whenever the skipper come on board, of course, he's the captain of the ship, he's an officer, you saluted him. In civilian clothes, when he's departing from the ship, uh, it's not required that you salute him because he's no longer wearing those collar devices. He's not in uniform. But if the captain has earned your respect, and if he's earned the respect of the crew, they will salute him even though he's not in uniform. And those that are like that, I've met, heard them many times in my career say, oh, you, you don't have to do that. And, and the sailors know they don't have to do that, but they want to do it. Because he's a good leader. He's a good man. He's earned their respect. And they're honoring him by saluting him even when they don't have to. See, a life of honor, it's a choice. It's something we must engage in on a continuous basis. Uh, you know, we, we are in a church. We don't have our own building. We use a church for our services. The denomination is one that uh, disallows drinking or alcohol. So our Shabbat blessings is done with grape juice, vice wine. When, when we haven't held satyrs here in this building for a number of years, we've gone to a hotel before COVID. But when we did them here, we didn't serve wine because they didn't allow it. So we're not, we're not going to dishonor them in their own property. That This is to honor. You have to submit and obey. Honoring God requires you to submit and obey. Listen, our theologies are different. As you know, wine is a big cultural aspect of who and what we are and our expression of worship with Adonai. When we go to a hotel, we have wine. When we tour in Israel, we don't tour on Shabbat. We honor God. And we, we stay in the hotel. We take a meal together. We drink wine together. And, and we honor and worship God. But when we're here in this property where we meet, we don't do that. We don't want to dishonor them and ignore their house rules and rebel against them. That would not make for a healthy relationship. Listen, when we started here as a congregation, uh, you know, this we're coming into our 21st year here in May. And uh, when we first started, and we still do this occasionally, but we would make trips up to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., one of the best in the world. Phenomenal. And, it, and it's only a three-hour drive for us here where we're at in Virginia. And, uh, and we would borrow the church vans. And, and I want you to catch this because this is what I'm talking about. This, this, this goes infiltrates into a business, into ministry, into your general life. Gentlemen, if you want your wife to serve you and to follow you and have a biblical relationship with her— there's two things you have to do. You have to love her, and you have to honor her. And if you do those two things, according to Scripture, you don't have to tell her, hey, you have to follow me because I'm the man. She will follow you wherever you go and will be a helpmate and stand with you in times of trouble and, and pray with you and, and be a life partner. But you only get to that level by honoring and loving. So we would they, the church had church vans. And so we didn't have a van at that time. We would ask to borrow their van, and they would give us the keys, and we would take 8, 10, 12 people to go to the Holocaust Museum in D.C. And here's what I want you to think about. Sometimes we'd get that can, that van, it would be sparkling clean. Other times we'd get it, and it would be dirty, and there's trash, and 
you know, fast food bags laying under the seat. Sometimes I would get it to have a full tank of gas. Sometimes it'd have a quarter tank of gas. It didn't matter how I received that van. To honor them and thank them, to serve them in allowing us to use their property, their van, we always returned the tank completely filled with gas. We always cleaned it. We always swept it. No matter, no matter how I took it out, we gave it back better than how we received it. And so this is what you have to do in all things. If you borrow someone's lawnmower, when you're done with it, you clean it, you fill it with gas, and you give it back in a better condition than that which you borrowed it in. If you borrow somebody's truck, you honor your brothers and sisters. You see how this works? You honor your brothers and sisters by helping them. You honor your brothers and sisters by serving them equally at the table of service, that communion table. And, and I've shared this once before, but I'm going to redo this again because I, I want you to see what a powerful impact this makes. And, and we really learned from our indigenous people. I'm going to give a shout out to Chief Ann Richardson, uh, Chief of the Mighty Rappahannock Nation. She's a direct descendant of uh, Chief Ware of Acomico and a direct descendant of Pocahontas, who married John Rolfe. We're in such a historical area here. And we became friends with her uh, over 20 years ago. And, and there's a third person involved with this, uh, Pastor Wade Trump from Jamestown Christian Fellowship. He's a direct descendant from the English settlers on those first three ships that landed here in 1607. We travel together. We minister together. Uh, Chief Ann has dubbed us the Wolf Pack. And we've held many, many services here. Uh, Arise, Mighty Warrior. We had a service here marking the 400th anniversary of Jamestown in 2007. And we did so by honoring each other, by honoring each other's people. The Jewish people were honored. The English were honored. The First Nations were honored. And they all had places of prominence at the table when we did communion on, on that very solemn day, marking that 400th anniversary. And so I, I, I share this because in what I've learned about protocol and honor, that I've taken this everywhere I go. I traveled to Africa. I, I toured the bush a number of years ago. And we went to the tiny nation of Malawi. And we went right to the capital. Before I did anything, I could only get to the to the mayor. I couldn't get to the, um, the president. He was actually out of town. But I could have if he was in. They were willing to let me meet with him. And so we went to the mayor of Lilongwe, which is the largest city, the capital city. And uh, he was obviously very busy and didn't understand what this – person was from America. And, uh, you know, and so when he finally ushered us in, uh, I identified myself and I had Bishop Naguita. He was a local person. Remember what I talked about with honor to proclaim and decree, you have to be with someone from the land. I just can't go there on my own and do this. You got a partnership with that honor, the indigenous people. So we made this before we did anything, any outreaches, anything, we met with the mayor of the long way. And uh, kind of flustered, we waited for an hour and a half, and he was, you know, like, okay, what, what do you guys want? And, and I identified myself. Hey, I'm a Messianic rabbi. I'm from America. I'm actually from the birthplace of America, from uh, the digital uh, Eastern Gate, Jamestown. And, uh, and I brought him gifts that represented Jamestown in America. I brought a, my wife, Rabitzen, made a very beautiful little bag of hair products and, and makeup and uh, perfume for his wife. And I gifted him. And I said, these are for you. And I said, I'm here at the request of Bishop Naguita. What we'd like to do is minister the gospel and share the good news with your people. And I'm asking your permission. I'm seeking your blessing. And he sat back in his chair. And he looked at me and catch this. He started to weep. He said, 
in hundreds of years, missionaries from Europe and America just come here. They do whatever they want. No one has ever done this before. He looked at me with tears in his eyes, and he says, I too am a believer. I believe in Jesus as the Messiah. He said, would you pray for me? And I was stunned. He got up, put his chair in the middle of the room, turned around. Myself and Bishop Neguida laid our hands on him. We prayed for him. We prayed for his nation. We prayed for the glory of the good news of Messiah Yeshua to spread across their lands. We prayed that that tiny nation would serve God and be in receipt of the blessings of the Most High God. We prayed for him, his wife, for his children, for God's blessings upon them. He was in tears as we prayed. Then, something I'll never forget, as we're now just chatting, he did two things. He ordered his secretary to bring us in chilled bottles of Coca-Cola. That's like gold in Africa. First of all, this is a great treat to have a Coke. But Africa has almost no refrigeration systems. We got a glass, no ice, but it was a chilled Coke. This was a very high honor for us. And we knew he was honoring us. The second thing he did was give me his own personal card. And I traveled throughout the land as his representative. Wherever I went, and we every four or five miles, we were, there was an army roadblock. And they're searching for drugs, for weapons, for insurgents. And uh, it, it's unbelievable the freedoms we enjoy here in America. And we take for granted until you go somewhere else. And these are armed men. And they have very large caliber weapons. And there's always a fire. There's gates across the road. The vehicles before us, they're pulling everything out, every suitcase, every stitch of clothing. Every, we would pull up. They would order us out of the vehicle. We would show this card, and we would just pass the roadblock. Can I tell you that the outreaches we did, thousands of people were saved. Muslims were saved. People with HIV, AIDS, were supernaturally healed. We saw a person with a shortened limb, that limb grow back supernaturally. We had the signs and wonders of God following us. And why do you think that happened? Because we chose to minister with honor. That person said, no missionary. The mayor of Lalongwe said no missionary had ever come and asked. See, it's incumbent for us to have a humble spirit, to ask and to honor people. I've shared this before at the services. The Nazis showed up to town here in 2005. That's right. The National Socialist Party, the actual Nazis showed up. And, uh, and the Nazi, if, any, if you're familiar with history, this is what Hitler did. Uh, Nuremberg, they would go and have these rallies at, at specific historical places of great German victories. And so the American Nazi Party does the same thing, and they filed for a permit to march here at, at uh, Surrender Field at Yorktown Battlefield. This is where uh, Washington defeated General Cornwallis of the British Army uh, in October 19, 1781. Yorktown's been the future of America since 1781. And so Surrender Field is, is a place of America's birth. It's where we literally became a nation. I know we have 4th of July, uh, but that was just talk. It was the actions and deed that brought us our freedom and our liberties as a nation. And that was one right here at Yorktown, Virginia. I had a person, a friend who was in the colonial um, battlefield uh, park who worked there and said, do you, do you know the Nazis have uh, applied for a permit to rally there? And I said, no, I haven't heard anything about it. So we prayed, we fasted. And felt the Lord tell us to counter rally. <laughs> Matter of fact, it was in March of 2005, this time of the year, both permits were granted on the same day, and it was a flurry of media activity. All the local news stations, the TV stations, CNN, all these interviews. And, you know, we got a lot of pushback uh, from 
uh, not only the Jewish community, but a lot of the church community that, hey, you shouldn't do this. People could get hurt. People could get harmed. Just, you know, bury your head in the sand and, and they'll just go away. Well, we learned, our people did, the Jewish people in Germany, that, uh, you know, Hitler and the, the, the Nazis, they didn't just go away. How easy would it have been to stop them when it was just a handful of them meeting in a beer hall? But next thing you know, by pretending they're not there, they're running the nation. And so we got a permit, but I was uncomfortable doing it. So, And I, I promised at the time that I would never reveal this congresswoman's name, but she's uh, since uh, unfortunately passed away from cancer. But it was Congresswoman Joanne Davis. And, uh, and I called her on the phone. I, I, we knew each other. I had her cell phone number. And I said, uh, Congresswoman, Your Honor, um, we've applied for a permit uh, to counter the, the Nazis at Surrender Field in Yorktown. And I said, uh, I don't want to do anything until I have your permission and your blessing. And she said, hey, this is a federal, you know, you just, you've applied for the permit. Uh, you don't need my uh, involvement in this whatsoever. Just, I said, no, 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 you don't understand. I, I walked her through what I just shared with you about honor and, and, and about protocol and the establishment of getting the blessing. And so we walked through the scriptures and, and she was a believer. She was a profound believer herself. And she says, Rabbi, you know, if this ever got out, it, it would be a media nightmare for me. And so I gave her my word. The only reason I'm mentioning it now is because she's passed. Uh, and But she said uh, she prayed with me. She gave me her permission and her blessing. Why is that important? Because she was a federal congresswoman. This was a federal park. And, of course, needless to say, in June we met, and uh, almost a 1,000 of us showed up, 90 Nazis and Blitzkriegers and various other white supremacists showed up, and uh, anarchists that just started beating the tar out of each other all we did was worship the living God of Israel, and he defeated our enemies by our worshiping of him. It was a grave success. No one was harmed. Two weeks later, the Nazis went to uh, Michigan, and four people were killed because the righteous didn't stand in the gap. But to do so successfully, you've got to do it with great honor, with great integrity, and with humble servanthood. We even had once here a day of uh, uh, terrorism awareness. And this is back in the mid-2000s. And uh, bombed out bus 21 from Jerusalem was brought here in a trailer. And uh, we had signs up of all the terror victims of jihad at that time. This is also post-9-11 here. We were suffering our own terrorist attacks. And we had a statewide, We uh, from Virginia, we had the uh, terrorism expert here. There's a position here in Virginia. We had the mayor of Newport News. And, and all came and spoke. And this was across. We had Christians. We had Jews. The, our mayor uh, Joe Frank was a conservative Jew. and uh, But before I did anything, I, I made a proposal. I made an appointment with him. And yes, we knew each other as well. It's, an, it's important to know your community and be connected. And uh, I made a proposal to him. I went down and sat with him. We had lunch together. And I said, Mayor, here's, here's what I'd like to do. Uh, we'd like to have this day. We'd like your participation. We've got state speakers coming. And uh, we want to gather across from all walks of life to honor those uh, who have suffered at the hands of terrorism and to bring awareness to us uh, that more of this will be coming in the future. He, he looked at me and said, Rabbi, you doing this on your property? I said, yes, sir, we are. He said, well, you don't need to get a permit or anything. You can do what you want on your property. I said, Mayor Frank, I want your blessing. I'm seeking your permission. And he looked me right in the eye and he said, what if I say no? And I said, then we won't do it. And he sat back and he looked over the proposal and uh, I actually had plans of the property where we're going to place stuff. I had a timeline, you know, a syllabus of what we're going to be doing the day and, and uh, the courses. And uh, we'd also asked him to speak. 
And uh, he gave us his blessing. He gave us his permission. He came and spoke, and we had a great day. And this was a day not only that we showed up as Messianic Jews, we had Christians show up, we had non-believing Jews show up. It was a great success here in the community. And so what we take away from this is no matter when we uh, get ideas or we feel the Lord is leading us to do something, you always have to do so with honor and to stand in the gap, submit yourself, and ask permission to do so. Because when you do, you guarantee its success. You will be victorious. But you've got to humble yourself, obey the Lord, submit to him, honor his glory, his majesty, and he will act on your behalf. That's the key and the mystery to honor. It's submitting yourself to him and following his guiding and leadings, and he will open doors for you supernaturally, and he will also close doors that might just save your life and keep you out of trouble when you are planning to go into a place or do something you shouldn't be doing. So don't get upset when the answer is no. Don't get upset if you have a closed door in front of you. The Lord God of Israel will protect and defend you, and if you honor him, he will honor you, and you will always be a success and be safe and no harm shall be befall you. Mishpachah, in this day of dishonor, in this day of disrespect, I pray that the seed of honor would be planted in you and that you would start looking at your brothers and sisters through the eyes of God and honor them as he honored us by sending his only son to die for us, that we all may gather at the table of communion and come together as one, equal shares, joint partakers, children of God. Honor heals dishonor. How will we bring true peace, Irene, shalom to our land and to stop our racial fighting? Honor heals dishonor. Every one of us is made in the image of God. Honor your brothers and sisters. Mishpacha, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Honor each other in love. Shalom. Shalom.